Well, good morning. Y'all are looking like, where's he at? Where's he at? Good morning. I'm Jeremy Lindsay. I'm the campus pastor here, those of you who don't know me. Um, and I'm excited to be here, to be able to share. Oh, man, one of the, I think it's one of the, one of the most um, influential passages that, um, that God's put in his word that has, that has affected my life. Um, this sermon, this series that we're fixing to go through called The End of Me, um, I truly feel like this is going to be something that if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, this will knock off a lot of hard edges, but you have to want it. And so, um, you know, it's, we're, as we start to get started to get cranked up, we're going to be in John chapter 3, um, and as you turn there, um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get cranked up. Father, um, we come to you right now. God, just acknowledging who we're talking to. Lord, you are high and lifted up. God, you are so big. Our small, finite minds cannot even understand how big you are. God, your plans are far more complex than our simple minds can understand. So, God, who are we to think that we can understand the mind of God. Father, I pray today, God, that we would humble ourselves and realize that you're bigger than anything, that you know better than any of us. And God, I pray that we would, today, Lord, we would be in submission to you. Father, if we were praying before the service for each person in here, God, that, that one song, that old hymn came to my mind. It says, when heaven came down, Glory filled my soul. When at the cross, my Savior made me whole. That my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. When heaven came down and glory filled my soul. God, we ask you for your presence to be here. And God, I pray, Lord, that each person in here, even the most stubborn heart in this place, God, would be humble today. God, grow us. God, change us. Lord, set us free from our iniquities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, as we began this series called The End of Me, one of the verses, a passage of scripture, scripture that we came to was John uh, chapter 3. And verse 30 is one of the most, it's one that has shaped me the most out of my whole walk with God. But as I began to really study it, I began to see that a lot of commentaries don't focus on verse 30. I'm like, why would you not focus on verse? If I was writing a commentary, like I would, that would be the one I would focus on. We're finna read it in a second, but it's like, why? Why not? I don't know why, but I think a lot of the reason why we don't focus on verse 30 is because we don't want to let go of any more of me than I have to. In verse 30, John chapter 3, verse 30 says, He must become greater, and I must become less. Some of your translations might say, he must increase and I must decrease. And so, in order, my heart for you guys today is that, that you would truly feel the love of Christ, but that you would understand what it means to be less of you. See, that's easy to read that on the page, ain't it? Ain't it? Y'all with me? Come on. All right. That's easy to read on the page. You can read that and it's like, check, I can do that. Y'all at church, 
Y'all could be somewhere else. Y'all, y'all, y'all let him become great. Not and you hadn't. But we do that. We, we, we put that in our list, and it's like, okay, check, go put it on our checkbox and go on. But could your life truly be characterized as someone who is living by John 3.30? Is he increasing in your life and you decreasing? Because that's where it all starts. That's where it all begins. So it's... So, so, and if I ask you that question, could you honestly say, from the moment I met Jesus, I have been dying to myself every day? Could you honestly say that? As we look at our churches and we look at things going on around us, I think it's easy to say the majority of us could answer that as a no. Because we're still full of us and not full of him. It's easy to do those things. And when I read that, I'm like, God, how do we get to that place? I so desperately, and I got to go back. God, how did I get to that place where where I want to live by that? I mean, I I don't have a tattoo yet, but if I'm going to get one, it's going to be that verse. I mean, I I got a new haircut, new tattoo. Might as well do that too, huh? See, some of y'all been talking more about my haircut this week than you'll have about Jesus. I mean, it ain't been a hello. It's been like, what's up with the hair? <laughs> Trying something and not going through a midlife crisis, so just hold on. But the reality is, is that, I mean, we got to start in the beginning. To be able to understand how this life becomes to be less of us and more of Jesus, you got to start in the beginning, right? So John 3, I love how, how, how John wrote this is in in chapter 3, it starts off where he's talking about Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes up, comes up at Jesus and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can perform these signs you are doing if God were not with him. That's verse 2. Verse 3 says, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they be born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into the womb of their mother to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they be born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born. Again, he repeats himself. See, in order for your life to be characterized as someone that is walking with Jesus, that is, that is filled with the Spirit, and that you, there's less of you than there is of Jesus, that means you have really had to have been born again. Truly, life change. True, met Jesus, heaven came down, glory filled your soul, you walked away, marked by the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever. Amen. And we have a pile of people that come to church every week to have a religious experience but not a personal relationship. And if you have a religious experience but you're not walking with Christ, then you have never been born again. Being born again means life change, means transformation, means, man, he is my all in all now. The lights came on for the first time. Y'all with me? So many of us are still walking in darkness. And we think we're walking in the light. 
We think that we're walking into light just because we do good things or just because we, get, we say the right things and we go to church. And I know some of you are like, man, you're beating the same drum you beat every week. If you start giving me evidence that you're changing, I'll quit preaching it. The reality is all of us are marred down in religion and in faithless, faithlessness, and we, we mask it with, with a Bible. We mask it with a Bible study, but God doesn't truly have the middle of our heart, the center of our heart. He don't want a piece of you. He wants all of you. And the only way that when you're truly born again, he gets it all. Now, no, no, don't get me wrong that you're not perfect. You're not going to fail. But you have a desire to please God that you never had before. You've been born again. The things you used to pursue are no longer important to you. You have a new purpose. You have a new passion. You have a new operating system inside. You know what I'm saying? That's what being born. So you can't please God unless you're born again. And so many people will never get to John 3.30 until they truly surrender their life to God. I don't care if you're a preacher's kid. I don't care if, 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 you, if you're even a pastor. There's a lot of lost preachers out there. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care what position you hold. I don't care how much your Sunday school attendance was when you were a kid. I don't care how many Bible verses you memorized. If you don't love God and do what he says, you have not been born again. Because when you're born again, it changes everything. And, he tell, and John talks about that in Nicodemus for a reason. Because the first step is our relationship with God. It begins at rebirth. That's where it all starts. When our old way of life is done and we embrace the new. See, that, that's, that's where it all starts. I was talking to Mr. Nick last night. We were talking about some things. and It's crazy because it's like, I remember when I first got saved, I was on a job site with a guy, and the man, um, it, was, it was another professing Christian there on the job site, and let me tell you what he was doing. He was slinging out the profanity. He made up stuff I didn't even know that existed. I didn't know you could put those words together, some of them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, y'all know the type of people. And then, he, then, then in the next verse, next, I mean, he didn't even take a breath, I don't believe. It was just like... Beep, 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 and then God's good, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? We got a bunch of schizophrenic Christians, because that's what he's like. Am I talking? Who am I talking to right now? And my buddy, my, my, my buddy that was with me, he said, he said, uh, who, man, that, that don't line up. Now I'm new, okay? I'm, I'm growing up, I'm growing up where you know you don't you, you don't talk to nobody like that, you don't call nobody on their sin. My buddy busted out and said, Hey, man, that's wrong. If you're confessing to be a Christian, you shouldn't talk like that. He, said, he quoted some scripture. He said, salt water and fresh water don't come out the same well. And, and my, my, my man that was standing there, he said, how dare you judge me? How dare you condemn me? You know, only God can judge me. And he said, you're right. I'm not here to judge you. But I'm here to judge fruit. I'm a fruit inspector. And by the fruit that you growing, you rot into the core. And I'm like, there's tools around here. There's all kinds of loose objects. It's fitting to go down for real. But it didn't. The reality is there's a lot of people out there like that. And they paint a picture 
that you can live any way you want to and go to heaven, and it defames the name of God because God is holy. God desired for us to be made new and be made a new creature, right? We should be changing and transforming. There should be a brokenness in us about sin. That when we sin, we realize that we've sinned against the God that saved us from hell and from eternity separated from him. Why would I not feel ashamed? John 3.16. Come on, can you quote it to me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We be a man, please. Check that off, baby. We know that one. Bible school, Sunday school, vacation Bible school, we got it. But let me put it in context to you. I, I heard something this week from Billy Graham's um, daughter. Now, that old gal can preach now. But she said one thing her mama taught her was when she read Scripture to make it personal because it made you realize that God was talking to you. So I'm going to use a little bit in here. It says, For God so loved Chad that he gave his only begotten son, that if Chad would believe in him, he would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved Jessica that he gave his only son, that if Jessica would believe in him, she would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved Adam that he gave his only begotten son, that who shall ever believe in him? That if Adam would believe in him, then he would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved Rhonda that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love for us is individual. We paint the picture like God's love for us is just this world. We sing songs when we were a kid. He's got the whole world in his hands, and we think of it like that. But he so loved you that he gave Jesus so that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. When we think about that, that's the only way we can realize. It's the only way John 3.30 will come to life in us to realize that he loved you so much that he sent Jesus to be your sacrificial lamb so that you would not, if you believed in him, you trusted him, you followed him, then you would not die, but you would have eternal life, everlasting life. As I read through that, it's just that that, that, that should drive you. That should drive you. We read John 3.16, and it's meaningless. Most of you quoted it from memory, but it's never settled right here. You will never be willing to deny yourself one thing until you realize what God has denied himself of. He denied himself of Jesus for a time period so that he could come down here and be a sacrifice for you and me. Jesus sacrificed comfort for us. Jesus came so he could identify with you and me, our struggles. He chose to be beaten. He chose to allow himself to be lied to, lied about, hurt. He chose that so that you and I could know him through the rebirth of ourselves when we follow him. Man, how amazing is that? See, that's where it all starts with him increasing and me decreasing is the acknowledgement and realization that what he's doing. 
and his love for me. I can believe in you. I can believe in Chad. I can believe in this man. But that until he gets up and he shows me that he loves me, then I'm not really going to think that I'm not going to follow him anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put any confidence in him because he can tell me anything, right? But until he acts on it, it shows his love. See, God could have said all he wanted to say, but he acted on his love by sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. So a lot of us say we love Jesus, but we never act on it. And when we say it's, it's more of you and less of me, that's us acting on it, being the end of me. See, and as, it, as the chapter continues, it brings up the, the guy named John the Baptist. And I love John the Baptist. Because John the Baptist, he's the one that penned these words, he must increase, I must decrease. How can a man say those things? How? I mean, John was born, and his parents, God told his parents what his mission was. John grew up in the wilderness. Homeboy wore, wore a, a, a sash out of goat's hair. He ate bugs. He, lived, he was away from everybody. He, God saw that. I mean, God set him like that on purpose so they, they could see that God's people are set apart and different. Mm, y'all taking notes? But John's whole life was, was, was just characterized, and it was centered on the mission that God had gave him from birth. Everything about John was pointing people to Jesus because he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, that, that Jesus was, his Messiah was coming and he was pointing people to Jesus. That was his driving force every day. John, John had a great following. John had people that were just coming to him out of the woodworks, wanting repentance and, and confessing sin. John had a great ministry, but yet when Jesus rose up on the scene, everybody, his disciples were like, John, everybody's leaving us and they're going to Jesus. His whole identity had been, was, was about what God had called him to do. But yet he says he must increase, I must decrease. How many of us could say that? We thought, well, I ain't John. I'm not in ministry. Hold up a second. Jesus rose up in your life. When you've been doing life like you've always been doing life, And now it's time to stop what you're doing and allow all that stuff to go and allow Jesus to increase. Can you have the same heart that Paul, I mean, that, that John the Baptist has? Most of us are like, uh-uh, you better step up off of me. No, this is my territory. This is my life. Don't tell me how to live it. Come on. Real talk tonight, this morning. And instead of, instead of saying, all right, God, I, I, I know that, 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 that you're greater than me. I know all this stuff, so I'm going to give you all. If you, what you want, have it. Take it. I, I'm nothing without you. But that's not our attitude. Our attitude is I'm everything, and you're just a little part of my life. So to do what you ask me to do won't affect me at all. And it's, and, and it's, it's crazy because when I think about John the Baptist, I, I wonder how could he have done that? Everything in his life, guys, his routine, his friendships, his schedule, his meals, his conversations, all from birth was pointing to the Messiah, his whole everything. And then at a blink of an eye, he's supposed to just stop being him? 
He's just supposed to stop doing what he was doing because Jesus rolls up the audacity of God to ask him to do that. You know why? Because that was his purpose. See, John realized, John realized the reason he could let go of everything so easy because, number one, he realized who was greater. He realized that Jesus Christ was greater than himself. He realized that, the, the, that he could bring people to repentance, but only Jesus could heal the lame. Only Jesus could bring salvation. Only Jesus could redeem the lost. Only Jesus could to bring sight back to the blind. Only Jesus can do those things. See, how many things are you looking, are you been trying to fix that only Jesus can fix? See, a lot of times we're dipping out the wrong well. We're pulling out of our own well, and we keep getting the same old stale water. But until you stop saying, you know, I'm going to stop drinking from this well, and I'm going to go to the well of life, the well that Jesus gave me, you'll start drinking from some, you'll start having some peace in your life. You'll start having some, some purpose in your life. But see, John could do that because he knew who was greater. The second thing is John, John knew his purpose. See, a lot of us don't even, in this room, we don't understand what our purpose is as Christians. We think our purpose of Christians is to be saved. I got saved. That's it. That was my purpose. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is to point people to Jesus Christ. And the way you point people to Jesus Christ is through you allowing Jesus Christ to change you. For him, Because we're, when we're saved, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we got Jesus living inside of us, right? So it should change the way we talk, right? It should change the way we act. It should change the way we love. It should change the way we forgive. Come on. It, it should change us. But see, if it's not changing us, then is he in us? See, a lot of us don't realize our purpose is to point people to Christ. That's, that's it. Your purpose is not to come sit your butt on a, on a pew every week. That's not your purpose. So many of us are not willing to give God more of our life because we don't realize it was our purpose for him to grow in us. See, we're supposed to grow more and more into Christ-likeness, right? I've said it before, but this is like boot camp for heaven. It's training us. If you don't like to, you know, if you don't like to praise Jesus now, you ain't going to like heaven. If you're worried about what your brother and sister beside you are doing a Sunday morning, you, oh, they're going to think I'm just fanatic over here because I raised my hand. You, don't, you, you ain't going to be ready for heaven. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to be real with you. See, if we, we, want, so we say we want heaven, but we don't want Jesus. We want heaven, but we don't want to show people we know Jesus. And see, you can't have heaven without Jesus. So how in the world are we expecting to make a difference in the communities around us when we're not walking the power of Jesus everywhere we go? You can't have your cake and eat it too. It's either Jesus or nothing. It's either Jesus or you. And we're nothing without him. See, he knew his purpose. You will never, ever, ever be willing to sacrifice until you know your purpose. That's why so many people gripe about serving God. They gripe about serving. I ain't calling nobody out, but if that's you, I'm talking about you. But that's the thing. People gripe about serving. I don't want to do this. I don't want to serve kids. I don't want. All right, fine. Don't sacrifice. That's you. Now you ain't on me. See, to serve God means to sacrifice. Sometimes we got to be uncomfortable. 
Sometimes we've got to be in places that we don't feel like we're adequate. But let God move us. Sometimes maybe you need to be serving in the area you don't feel comfortable serving because he wants to knock off that prideful heart you got because you think you're better than that. How about, how, about, how about he wants to show you that if you come into him, you feel like you're not adequate in a certain area, but you come to him and say, God, I'm not adequate. He makes you adequate, and you begin to see him power more powerful in your life, but you don't see that because you won't allow him to do that in your life. You know why? Because you're greater than he is. I wish I had a mic. I'd drop it. This one's expensive. So. <laughs> See, he, John was also driven to please God. He, his whole life. That's the only reason you'd eat bugs in the wilderness is you're driven to please God. He didn't care what people thought. He knew he looked funny. He knew that he was, he was telling them to repent and turn to God. So those things, he, he was driven to please God. I mean, is that your life? Is that your goal? Are you driven to please God? I want to be, can I be honest with you? This week I was writing that out, and God said, so are you? I'm like, we ain't talking about me, God. We're talking about them people at the church. <laughs> and he's like, are, are you? Because I want to be honest. I, would, I say here lately, I've been walking around my feelings on my shoulder. I've been all up in my feelings. Like some of you been up in your feelings. Uh, oh, this one said this bad about me. This one's talking bad about the church. God, I might need to quit because I offended these people. I offended that, those people. God, what's going on with this? Why, why, why me, Lord? What have I ever done? I'm just constantly just condemning myself. And then God said, Jeremy, are you willing? Are you driven to please you and your desires? Are you driven to make everybody else happy? Or are you driven to please me? And I said, all right, God, I'll shut up now. Are you driven to please God? Don't check that off yet. Think about your week. Think about your attitude. I'm telling you guys, this is real life here. I don't preach because I, I'm trying to get some exercise. This is the reality. Either we're pleasing God or we're not. Either we're in or we're out. And I'm talking about you individually up in this house today. You're here for a reason. Either you're following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. Either he is your center, your everything, or he's nothing at all. And so that's the reality. See, John knew that he was driven to please God. Man, he made a huge impact. The way we make an impact is being driven by God. Amen? Amen. The last thing is that John knew his place. See, a lot of us need to know our place. Some people need to realize that they ain't the pastor. Well, well. Some people need to realize that, that, that you are where you are for a reason. See, John knew his place. I love this in, in verse 29. It says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy. When he hears the bridegroom's voice, that joy is mine and is now complete. He says, when he hears, he listens for the bridegroom. When he hears him, his joy is complete. He's the friend of the bridegroom. See, the bride is Christ. I mean, the bride is the church. All right, the bridegroom is Christ coming to get this bride. We always think, that we the bride, groom. 
We're in control. But what John's saying, he realized his place. He's the friend of the bridegroom. He's the friend of Jesus. And when he saw Jesus coming, he was excited. He was happy. It wasn't about him anymore. It was about his ministry. It was about his life. He seen Jesus coming, and he says, your way is more fulfilling than mine. See, John knew his place. Do you know your place today? See, our place is, is to worship Jesus. Our place is to point people to Christ. Our place is to be wherever he wants us to be. Not to be where we want to be. Boy, it's going to be long. I'm going to let two things in. This is going to be a bad day for y'all. <laughs> the reality is, the only way you get to being a man or woman whose life is characterized by John 3.30. He must become greater and I must become less. Is that you realize that he, number one, is greater than you. You realize your purpose in him. That you're driven to please God. And that you know your place. Now, that's for all you note-takers. Now I'm finna preach. Y'all ready? See, the thing is, he must decrease and I must. I mean, he must increase and I must decrease. That, that part, what he says in that, he says that the joy is mine and is now complete. See, how many of us can say that, that we're joyful Christians? How many of us can say that we walk and we have the joy of the Lord? It's one thing that me and my wife both struggle with is having joy. And this week, man, God just slammed me upside the head. See, so many of us walk without joy because we're, our feelings are more important than what God says we should do in a situation. We're worried about our feelings instead of worrying about what God says because we've lost sight of our purpose. We've lost sight of who is greater. See, sometimes we spend so much time struggling in misery because we won't deny ourselves of our feelings. God's saying, if you will just do this, if you would just stop whining and complaining, you would be, your life would be filled with so much peace, with so much joy. See, guys, I want to tell you something. When we cling on to all this meaningless stuff, it's so much meaningless compared to the joy God gives you. I've been holding on to stuff that hurt from the past. You know what it's been doing? It's been holding me still. It's been anchoring my soul way back here. God's got this designed for me, but I'm hung up on the past because I'm worried about my feelings and my rights. But when I got Jesus in the center, I cut the anchor, and I'm like, I'm going to you, Lord. And it's time for some of you today to cut the anchor and stop worrying about all that junk and put him at the first, at the, at the center, at, in the middle. You know what I'm saying? Y'all look at me like I'm talking Chinese here. See, John had joy because everything in his life was centered around what he was finally fixing to see. Man, this week I, I, just, I just got engulfed. I've never listened to a Billy Graham message my entire life. Never have. It's like I ain't listening to that old man. That old man was filled with the Spirit of God. And I would listen to one of his sermons, and I began to think about the moment Billy Graham closed his eyes on eternity, when he opened his eyes, let me tell you, I bet he cut a backflip. 
People talking about when I get to heaven, I'm going to run up there and ask, no, you know what I want to do? I'm going to fall on my knees and say, thank you, Jesus. See, he was so full. See, notice what the text says here. Verse 30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. Notice what he says. He didn't say, you need to become less and he needs to become more. He didn't say it'd be a good idea, did he? He said must. Must is a definite. Must is a have to. You know what I'm saying? When there's a must there, there's repercussions of you not doing that. When my daddy said, you got to do this, and I didn't do it, it was bad stuff fitting to go down. Amen. Us allowing, us following Jesus, us diving into him more is, in a Christian life is not a maybe. It's not a good idea. It's a must. For us to dive in more Jesus and want more of him in us than we have in us is not something that we can debate with God. He's saying, if you want me, come get me. If you don't want me, stay where you are. I sent Jesus to make a way. If you don't want that way, fine. I loved you enough to, to open up the door. It's up to you to walk through it. See, it's a must. If we want Jesus, and if he is the center of our life, and he is everything that we claim he is to us, then we must become less, and he must become more. And that becomes, that's in everything in our life. That's in our prayer life. That's in our Bible reading time. That's in how we treat our spouses. That's in how we treat our coworkers. That's in how we, we deal with, with drama. That's how we deal with depression. That's how we deal with everything in our life. Is he becoming the main focus of the problem, the situation, or is the situation more important than him? See, that's what I've realized in my life. Everything that I struggle with, I put the problem above Jesus. I think it's too big for even him to handle. But when I started putting Jesus greater and the problem second, oh, God, what he did. Mm. He began to change things. He began to change people's hearts. He began to change the situations. You know why? Because I said, God, you're greater than this junk on this earth. I said, God, you're so much bigger than anything I could ever ask for. And if we're going to make an impact, if you are going to make an impact for the community around you, then he's got to be greater than you. So my question to you, church, is, is he greater? I, I love this. He says he must. It's not a suggestion. It's not a seven ways to better your life. A new you, a better you. No, it's not that stuff. It's a have to. If we're going to be God's people and do the things that God's called us to be, I mean, from the moment of rebirth, he has to be increasing in our life. We have to be closer to him. That's why I preach all the time about you got to be, you gotta walk away from religion. You got to walk into Jesus. You need a personal relationship with God because it's, if you're not walking with God and he's not changing you, then you don't know God. And if you can go to church your entire life not knowing God, wake up one morning and be in hell. Be separated from God for eternity. This ain't like playing Nintendo where you hit restart. You don't get a redo. This is it. You can close your eyes tonight and never see the face of the people that work again. You can never see my face again, but you will see the face of the Almighty. And in that moment, it's about how you lived, how you pursued him. Did you deny yourself or did you put him number one in your life? All the cars are on the table. And that's what is so scary to me every single week. A lot of you guys in here play Russian roulette. You leave here and like, y'all just swing it. 
Maybe I won't die today. And you go on about life. And I know that may sound morbid, but that's the reality. It's life or death. And you're playing games with God. If, you're, if you say you believe what you say you do, and you're not living it, you're not decreasing yourself, and you're not allowing him to fill you with more, if you're not denying yourself of you and allowing him to grow in you, then you're fooling yourself. And what you're doing is you're sending other people to hell with you because they're looking at the example that you're painting and they're like, that's what it means to follow Jesus and they start doing the same things. How you live matters, church. What you pursue matters, church. And if we're going to be the vessel, we're going to be the church, we're going to be the people that God's called us to be, then it's got to be the end of me and it's got to be all about him. We talk about it's all about Jesus. We got banners all over this place. The reality is, is it really about Jesus? Because if it's all about Jesus... People are going to come here looking for him. People are going to stop you at the gas station and say, what in the world do you have that I don't? Give me, a, give me that pill. I know you got a pill because there ain't no way. I mean, you got to have a pill for that. Come on. Rabbit crack. <laughs> Inside joke. We'll talk about that later. It's just like you got to have something. And what I've realized, church, and I'm, I'm, can, I, can I confess a little bit to you, is when I'm living and when it's all about me, guess what? I don't hear that much from anybody else. I don't hear. What's wrong? What you got? What's, 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 what's different about you? I don't hear that no more. I used to hear that. If we don't hear that, then it should be a, a, a gut check of, all right, am I being intentional? I used to get out of the truck every morning saying, God, who needs you right now? Show me. We're going to go get them right now. And through walking with God, oftentimes what happens, if you're not careful, your own selfish ambition, your own pride will override him, and you not even know that your priorities are greater than his. You know why? When you, how you can tell that? When you don't have a ministry at all. Well, you just do life, and you're looking around wondering, why ain't nobody changing? That's because you're not pursuing God, and they're not seeing him real in your life. We always talk about revival, revival, God revive us. You need to start praying, God revive me. God's not going to change nobody until he changes you. It's like if I pour honey on, on Miss Barbara, and she starts walking around you, it's going to stick to some of you. You can't have the Holy Spirit in you, and you walk in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then not rub off on somebody, because that's how God designed it. But if there's a lot of us in us, on Bible, what does the Bible say? Flesh versus flesh. Carnality equals carnality. But when you're walking in the Spirit, Spirit versus Spirit. When we're walking in the Spirit, people see what you have, and they're like, I want that. And, and you, they see that in your life. And so many times we preach that about, about God, you, God's, your purpose is for God to use you. That's, that's fruit of God changing you inside. And it's so important, church. If we're going to people, be the people that God's called us to be from the moment we're born, guys, we got to let go. So ask, you, so ask yourself right now. In this life right now. Am I pursuing things of this world? Am I pursuing me? 
more than God. What am I pursuing? Because the only way that we can give up this old life is if we're constantly, guys, constantly dying to ourselves. Constantly. Every day. Wake up with the intentions of God. I want you to be great, not me. Every day coming to the end of myself. I try to every afternoon, every night when I come home, sometimes it's the wee hours in the morning when I stop working, but when that happens, I, I'm, starting, I'm starting to try to make an evaluation of my day and say, God, were you number one or was it me? And make adjustments. Some of us live life our entire lives and never make adjustments. It's time for some of you to make adjustments today. It's time for some of you to change today. I want you to understand something. See, our entire lives looks like this most of the time. We're just full. These balls represent my life. It represents me. It represents my control. This is me. This is everything in me. This is what was born. This is what I was born with. This is what everything that is about me is right here. But when he starts increasing and I start decreasing, man, it's so funny what happens. It's the more of God is poured in me, the more of me that's pushed out. The more of me that's pushed out. And some of you, you started this race out and you've seen a little bit of stuff fall but you kind of quit. You're like, that's as comfortable as I'm going to be, God. I don't want no more. He don't want that. It's all or nothing, right? He don't want you to be born like that. He don't want the day you die, if it looks like that, he wasn't everything. Every day you get up, a little bit more, Lord. A little bit more, Lord. God, give me 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 more, Lord. Come on. God, give me more. Is that you today? Lord, fill me up. God, fill me up until he's overflowing and there's less of you. See, that's what we should look like right there. We should be people so full of God that when we look at who we are, we don't recognize the man we once were or the woman we once were. That's what it's about, church. That's the center of the Christian life is that when we follow Jesus, we're so centered on him that he is more important than us. He is increasing and we are decreasing. Our lives should be a life. We should constantly be hearing sin hit the ground. It should be falling like that from us every day, every day. But most of the time it's silent because there's no change. There's no desire. There's no passion. My heart breaks. I, I, I honestly can tell you, my heart breaks for people. And I have really struggled. I have really struggled with my call. I have really struggled with God that we plant the church in vain. I've really struggled. And if you had been at my house, you would think my wife is. Is a, is a pastor because man she'd be preaching to me 
But one thing I realized that I was going, I was evangelizing, I was preaching everywhere. Man, people were getting saved, and man, I was jacked up, and man, that was exciting. But one of the things that burdened me the most was I would see the same people six months from there with no change in their life, still living in sin, not uh, not killing themselves, not, not abiding in Jesus more, and. I, it was like fire shut up in my bones. I, I just like, God, something's got to be done. Something's got to give. What, what's what's going to happen, God, if, if they live their whole lives? And, 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 and God, I planted that seed, but yet nobody watered it. And they think they're right, but they're wrong. And they die and go to hell. And struggling with my call, struggling with what I'm doing. God spoke to me. He said, Jeremy, I gave you a pastor's heart. I've made you care for people. And he only spoke that to me last night. But that's the thing, is I care for y'all so much. And I wish to God y'all could feel the anguish in my heart week after week. When I look out in this congregation and some of you look like, well, you should shut up. I got somewhere to go. When, when I look out here and I see just nobody's interested. I'm going to give all the call, and it's like, you know what? That was for somebody else. God, I'm telling you guys, this ain't a game we're playing. This is forever and ever. This is eternity. And God did not call me here to waste my time or his. So either we're going to do this thing or we're not. And I will share my heart. All of it. If you come back, great. If you don't, I love you. But here's the reality. I see people fade in and fade out week after week. Seems like your attendance is kind of just, it don't have no rhyme or reason behind it. Some people show up when they serve. Some people show up when they don't. It ain't about Jesus. It's about just a checkbox. I want you to listen to me now. I love you guys so much. I so desire for you to have that passionate relationship with Jesus. I so desire for you to, when you wake up in the morning, you feel the Holy Spirit I so desire for you to make much of God. And I've made statements from the pulpit. I wish I could slap it into you. I wish I could inject you with it. I would, I, if I could do it, I would do it, but I can't. And that's the anguish in my heart because I feel like I'm a man shot with my hands. I'm handcuffed because you've got to make that jump. You've got to love him. You've got to want him more. And I feel like so many of us, so few of us actually truly see God Many people treat Jesus like they have a love affair. They, they come and he's, he, Jesus is your mistress. You come to church on Sunday and you claim that you love Jesus, but you go back to the life that you really love Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's just a love affair. You're just fooling yourself because you're in love with your old life. You're in love with the life you're living. You're not truly in love with Jesus because if you truly love Jesus, you would allow him to change you and transform your life. We say that we want to do, get rid of sin. We say that we're tired of struggling with porn, but yet you go to that porn site tomorrow. You say that you're tired of struggling with lust, but you intentionally look at stuff that you know is going to send you down that road. You don't love Jesus. You love the sin. And God's called us to be a people that are pursuing Him, church. I don't want to be anything else. I want to be what He wants me to be. Amen. See, this week I was reading... Our 412. 
our reading plan. I was reading this week and I got to Matthew chapter four. And man, when God was, when Jesus was healing people, he was talking about how Jesus was healing the lame and the sick and, and, and people saw life change. They seen people that were bound by these infirmities for decades and all of a sudden, bam, they were changed. They were different. They were saved. They were, they were set free. And, and God spoke to me. It says crowds come where life change happens. Because people are looking to pills, they're looking for alcohol, they're looking for love, they're looking for all this stuff to fulfill them, but nothing ever does. It leaves them empty. But Jesus is the only thing that will fill you up. And they're looking for those things. And God spoke to me saying, life change is what draws the crowds. And I began to like, I know that, when, I know that the crowds will come when we're following Jesus. And as I look at our attendance, we're down by 30 people from last year this time. So I dare ask you, I want you to look around. Where are the crowds of people looking for Jesus? Do we truly love him or are we just having a love affair with him on Sundays? Are we allowing him to change us and move us? What are we doing? And you can say, you ain't preaching good enough. Probably not. You can say, Dallas is not doing this or Jeremy's not doing that and worship music could be better. It's time for you to stop thinking about this being something that consuming me and let me pull this out for you, God. And I so desire this because I know how big God is. And I'm not on my soapbox. I've I've contemplated on saying this several times, but I just haven't because I just want you to know that I love you. I want this for you, not from you. I so desire to see God change your hearts. I know that, that there's 11,000 people in this county. In, I know there's people in Twin City, in Scriven County, in Burke County, that God wants to use you to change. God wants to use you as a vessel to change them. But it won't happen unless he is greater in us than ourselves. And we got to take the trash out first before that happens. we got to be willing to submit to him. We've got to be willing to, to start committing to him. We've got to surrender to his plans and quit, and, and, and quit pursuing our own agenda. We've got to surrender to our own preferences and our selfishness so that we can be used to change the world around this church. God's got some great plans in store for us. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure of that. See, I can tell you because God answers prayers. Because three months ago, I didn't know where we were going next. They just told me we had to be out of this school by July. We couldn't use the new school. We didn't give us a reason. Well, about a month ago, the Board of Education called me and said, hey, I need you to come and sign the new lease. And I came by and I sat down with them. And I said, Jeremy, do you remember why we said you couldn't use the new school? And I said, no, ma'am, I, I sure don't. She said, well, me neither. She pulled the floor plan out. She said, where are you going to do church at? Amen. That's God, church. And for us to step into the new beginning, us to keep making those steps, I know that's great. But I, I know God's called us to plant roots in Jenkins County. I know God's called us to, to plant a, to, He didn't call us to plant a church and be uprooted. He called us to be continually growing. And if we're going to have a church, if we're going to build our own building, then we've got to recreate ourselves. We've got to be intentional. 
We can't, we can't afford that on our own. We have to keep investing and pouring our hearts into people around us and, and let them see the light in us so they will say, what, what you got that we have? It's not about building a building. It's about reaching the kingdom for Jesus. I will stay at that school if we have 10,000 people in attendance if God says don't build, don't build a building. But we need to be prepared. We need to be focused. And those things don't happen unless we are ridding ourselves of us and pouring ourselves out for Jesus. There's a lot of us in this room that we cry out and complain every week. I'm one of them. God, I want more of you. Why ain't you happening yet? And God just told me to shut up that when I make much of him with me, people will make much of him. Same thing with you. Same thing with you. Hey, Russ, put John 3.30 on there. For us to make a difference in this world, for you to make a change in the life around you, for the world around you to know that what you say you believe, you really believe, all boils down to this verse. that he must increase. 3.30. He must become greater and I must become less. I want you to repeat this with me. I want you to put your name where it says I. Say Jesus must become greater and Jeremy must become less. Jesus must become greater and Jeremy must become less. Let that sink down. See, not just a church service is at stake here. Our church service should be a celebration of what God's doing in your life all throughout the week. And when that happens, when He's active in your life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, guess what this is going to be? Something that you never thought would ever happen. This, it would, we would feel the presence of God. There will be things happening, healings happening, things happening in this service like you've never experienced because he's moving in your life. He's active in your life. This ain't about me. This is about us. So how about all of us commit today to this being the end of me and say, Lord Jesus, you must become greater and I must become less. That's the invitation, church. As we get ready, as the worship team comes forward, if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, if you truly have never surrendered your life to Him, if you've truly never given Him the keys to your heart, I want to challenge you today and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Him. I want to surrender my life to Him for the first time today. I want to truly give my life to Jesus. That I want to make Him the number one in my life. That shooter today, just raise your hand. We want to celebrate. We want to clap. We want to, we want to celebrate like crazy. Well, that leaves just us, church mouse, mice. You do what God's telling you to do. Move. But I hope it starts sounding like this in here. Lord, I hope it sounds like this. I hope it just keeps flowing. 
I hope we stay here till two o'clock. People just saying, I want to get right with God. People saying, I want more of you, Jesus, and less of me. And I want when you leave here for it to look like this. But you got to be intentional, church. You got to want it. It just don't happen. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you, Lord, God, I pray that you would be so real to all of us in this room as you have been so real to me. God, your word says that you came to set the captives free, that you came to save the lost. God, you, you came to restore sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. God, I know there's a lot of us in this room that's never truly heard a message like this ever. It's been preached a thousand times. We've never opened our ears. And today we've heard it for the first time. God, give us the confidence to walk in it. Lord, I pray, Lord, today that you would help us, Lord, be a church that is not full of ourselves, but we're full of you and we're led by your spirit and your nail-pierced hands, Lord Jesus. God, move on us today. God, change us. I pray that you would bring sin to our hearts, situations into of our lives, into our minds, so that we can repent of, Lord. John came and he preached of repentance, and so did Jesus. God, we can't walk with you and not ask for forgiveness of the past. God, I pray that you would just move in our hearts. God, we would say, Lord, forgive me of where I am. Forgive me of the stuff I'm holding on to. Forgive me of the life that I'm living. Forgive me of the life that I'm showing. God, show me. God, help us be those people today. God, speak to our souls. God, speak to the center, to the core of our being, God. I pray, God, that you would, God, chain us with conviction so that we can't live here. We can't leave here the same. God, change us all. Change me. Lord, I pray we leave here with the reality that you must become greater and I must become less. And we would every day fill our names with that void. God, please, I ask you. God, I come to you asking you, Lord. God, you've changed so many people's lives. God, you brought revival in so many nations. God, you've broken the hearts of the hardest-hearted person in town. God, you've saved marriages. God, you've healed cancer victims. God, you've given sight to blind people. God, you've restored hearing to those that cannot hear. God, you have done so much more than we could ever ask. And God, we ask you, we beg you right now, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, I beg you to do it again. In Jesus' name we pray.